Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Happy to be back here with you. And in this week's episode, we're going to do a bit of a fantasy football focus. Not really a season preview because we are one week into the NFL season, but kind of from week one, if we're truly buying the hype or if we think we have some one week wonders. I still, I use this example all the time when I talk about fantasy. If you remember the Browns in like 2006 had a guy named Frisman Jackson, who in week one had like 12 catches for a hundred yards and two scores and then didn't score a touchdown the rest of the season. You get people who have find a player like that has one good week and then they drop the quality player for that. So we're going to try to steer clear of you getting kind of too excited by week one, week one after the NFL is full of overreaction. So we're going to, tell you who to buy and who to sell on some of these week one performances. And maybe, maybe you're panicking because I'm trying to think of a good example here. Uh, somebody who you thought was going to have a breakout week one really, really struggled. We're going to try to guide you through that. We have Andrew on with us. He's probably our biggest fantasy nut that we have in our cast of characters. So Andrew's going to give you a lot of his thoughts and we're recording this on a Thursday night because the game is on Amazon Prime Video, so nobody in America knows how to find and more wants to deal with getting on Amazon Prime to watch it. Um, but otherwise, help your uh, help your grandparents find Amazon Prime if you're of the younger generation. Yeah, or help people your age who uh, who don't have Amazon Prime find Amazon Prime somehow. I'm getting a lot of uh, texts and calls from friends being like, how do I get on Amazon Prime? Well, first of all, you have to buy it. Uh, so that helps. But uh, second of all, you probably need a smart TV or some sort of a device, a way to hook up your computer to your TV or something of that nature, or just watch it on your computer, phone, tablet, whatever you want to do. Um, so it might be a little too late by the time you're in this recording to take it take us up on any of our advice with that. And Frisman Jackson, I feel like you completely made up that name. Uh, I don't think that's real. <laughs> I'm going to get on pro football reference and look him up here, but didn't they, aren't they doing several of these Amazon prime video games? I'm too much of an old fuddy duddy. I don't even like to pay for ESPN. So if it's not, if it's not a Fox CBS, NBC or ABC game, I will not watch it. I'll just find clips and listen to people talk about it. But uh, yes, I get that. This is the way the future is going, everybody claims, but you can't tell me Amazon Prime video numbers are going to be anywhere near normal broadcast games. Well, from uh, here on out, it's Prime Video Sorry. for the rest of the season. So we had week one on NFL Network, NBC, week two, and beyond Prime Video from here on out. Is... um. Is Color Rush still happening? Do we have those on Thursdays? That was my that was the only thing I liked about Thursday night football. We might have some Color Rush games. I don't think that will be until later in the season. I don't I don't know when that starts specifically, but I do think we will have some Color Rush games again this year. Frisman Jackson played 4 years in the NFL from 2002 to 2005. He played a total of 34 games, had zero starts. He had 40 career receptions, 490 yards. And, oh, I guess he just had one touchdown. Let me see. It looks like 2005 was his last year in the league. Get his game log up here. How did, we, how did anybody know anything about football before pro football reference? Makes everything so easy to find. I'm not sure how the cavemen did it. I really don't know. So Frisman Jackson, opening game of the 2005 season, lost to the Bengals. 
Nine targets, eight receptions, 128 yards, one touchdown catch. Still, eight receptions for Mr. PPR League, 128 yards and one touchdown. That would could have been the highest scoring player of the week, that or highest scoring receiver at least. He caught zero touchdowns the rest of the season. He had a combined, he had 16 receptions and zero touchdowns after that week one performance. This is why we don't overact week one, kind of like you said. Um, so we don't want to overact too far because of outstanding performances from guys we've never heard of. And we don't want to overreact from underwhelming performances from guys you have heard of in week one. That's really the name of the game. Interesting statistics that I'll talk about throughout the length of this podcast. And I'm borrowing this from these guys called the fantasy footballers. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of them, if you've ever heard of them, but kind of a benchmark that we look at for um, in terms of production in week one, there's some sort of a statistic around running backs getting 13 touches and going on to be productive if they get at least if they hit that 13 touch mark. If they don't hit that 13 touch mark, there's strong indicators in past seasons that they do not go on to produce. And wide receivers, the number that we're looking at is the uh, the five reception mark. So if you hit that five reception mark, that five target mark as a wide receiver and then that 13 touch mark as a running back, that's kind of what you're looking at in week one and every week thereafter, you're looking at who are the guys that are getting the opportunities kind of thrown their way to a level where they can produce because touchdowns right, are random. They happen. You can't count on them week in, week out. You can't count on a guy to have one touchdown or multiple touchdowns every week. You can say, however, he has, this guy has the opportunity to get multiple touchdowns because of the volume and the work that he's getting because of the targets that he's getting. So that's kind of what we're looking for week over week over week. There were times back in my younger days where I thought I was a fantasy football nut and that I was an aficionado, a true nerd, researched everything. And then people like that and people like you, I discovered, are way more into this. I I never get that granular with my research, but those are that's probably the level of detail that's the make or break if you're truly playing competitive or high-dollar leagues. I am, I am impressed with people who can get that in-depth in their research. Yeah, and I wouldn't say uh, that's really the depth that I go to. As I look at what kind of uh, rushing attempts is the guy getting and a running back that catch, p- catches passes, what kind of targets is he getting? How many snaps is he on the field? I guess I am going a little bit in depth, but some of the apps that I use, and, and it's why I prefer the Sleeper app, unofficial sponsor of the show. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, maybe we'll see if we can get him on board in the future. But uh, it it provides some good information, like snap percentage. It tells you what percentage of snaps that player was on the field. Well, they're on the field more often than not. They're going to have a good chance at scoring you points. If they're getting targeted while they're on the field more often than not to those thresh- thresholds that I was talking about, based off running back, wide receiver, tight end, obviously you're going to have a chance to score points. Um, we'll see, and as we go through some of these games here, we'll talk about it, where there's guys who who didn't meet those thresholds but still had outstanding weeks. Well, can you count on them to take low volume, less opportunity, and continue to make the most of it every week by getting touchdowns? I don't think so. 
So we'll, we'll talk about that as we go through. So let's, let's go ahead and just dive right in. And let's start with the, the first game of the week that we want to talk about here, the Thursday night matchup, highly anticipated matchup, I would say, Chargers-Chiefs. So first of all, for the Chargers, one of the guys that probably surprised people the most in a negative way was Mike Williams. You probably got some Mike Williams somewhere, depending on the style of league that you're in somewhere in the fifth to seventh round, you're maybe counting on him as your second best wide receiver, or maybe your flex spot. You're counting on a little more than what you got from him in week one. He had three catches for 10 yards, no touchdowns in a game where Keegan, uh, Keenan Allen, Keegan. Wow. Uh, Keenan Allen got hurt. Um, you're expecting a little bit and Austin Eckler didn't have the greatest game in the world either. You would have expected a little bit more from the second best wide receiver on a high scoring offense. Now, granted the chargers only put up 24 points, so it's not like they lit the world on fire against the Raiders, but they definitely put up enough points. And instead you watch those touchdowns, those opportunities go, go to guys like Gerald Everett, Deandre Carter, Josh Palmer, right? So maybe you're you're looking at week one and what you spent on Mike Williams and you're saying, what I get myself into? Well, I think better days are ahead. And I'm kind of going against a little bit of what I was just saying in the opening by predicting that better days are ahead for Mike Williams. Keenan Allen is out this week against the chiefs. And we know that they're the chargers are going to have to score points to keep up with Mahomes and the boys. I expect that Mike Williams is going to be a bigger part of the game plan this week for the chargers against the chiefs. So I would say don't panic on Mike Williams. There's not a reason to panic, even though he didn't quite meet the thresholds that we talked about. I mean, he got four targets, caught two of them, 10 yards. I would expect those targets to go up significantly this week. He's probably going to take on some of the targets that Keenan Allen leaves behind and some of the snaps that Keenan Allen leaves behind, and therefore he's going to have the opportunity to produce. I do not expect – I think about it in these terms, and Matthew Berry talks about this all the time. He's probably seen as the godfather of fantasy sports, right? Um he says, what's most likely to happen? Is it most likely that Gerald Everett and DeAndre Carter are going to turn three receptions into 50 to 60 yards and a touchdown every week? Or is it more likely that Mike Williams, a guy that the Chargers like, is going to be relied upon a little more as the season goes on, especially if Keenan Allen is out? I would say that it's more likely that Mike Williams is going to get leaned on a little bit more heavily in week two. Um, another guy... Maybe Austin Eckler was a little bit surprising to some of you in that he didn't score a touchdown, didn't produce rushing the ball in maybe the way that you hoped that he would. But to that, I would say he touched the ball 18 times. If he touches the ball somewhere in that neighborhood 15 to 20 times per week, the touchdowns are going to come again. Not a reason to panic. He didn't have his best of days. But if he gets that opportunity, that consistent volume, he's going to eventually have big days, multiple touchdowns, right? Um, Big scoring days on the field, especially in PPR leagues. So 
I would I would anticipate that uh, Austin Eckler is going to have maybe not a big night on Thursday night, but I would say a decent night. Something that you would say, yeah, I'm glad I spent my first round pick on Austin Eckler for what he gave me in week two. Um, moving on, I'm not a big believer in Gerald Everett or DeAndre Carter. I do think those guys could maybe provide some value in spots, but the problem is, is you aren't going to know when to start them. And so if you pick those guys up on the waiver wire, maybe you went and got a Gerald Leverett or DeAndre Carter. I don't know if I would have dropped a good player. He Gerald Everett is a Frisman Jackson. He, he, he just is. And so uh, to, to quick back up here. So I am strictly a Yahoo fantasy player and, as much as I can, I do nine PPR. I think I'm in a PPR just because I felt like doing a draft and that's what was available. So I'm a, I'm a non PPR Yahoo person because I think PPR is stupid and I don't care if your slot receiver Cole Beasley gets 13 receptions, but never gets a touchdown. You are a diehard PPR fan. And what platforms are you an ESPN guy? I'm not an ESPN guy. I'm a sleeper app guy. Okay. I am a, I have a, most of my uh, leagues are on the sleeper app. And a few leagues on Yahoo, one on the NFL. I'm completely off ESPN. Completely. Okay. So I think a lot of these, you some slight variances that you have to think about depending on your platform and how that affects your scoring. But uh, getting back to your points, starting with the Chargers, yeah, Austin Eckler is... I was surprised to see how highly ranked he was in a lot of the preseason. Yahoo has him fifth, at least the league that I'm in. He was the preseason fifth-ranked player. And I like Austin Eckler. He's a pleasant surprise and probably up there among dual threats. You know, kind of Austin Eckler, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. If he stays healthy, we'll get to those guys here in a minute. But for guys who are going to get touches, Eckler's up there. I Just a lot of touches, but I don't know what he can do with them. And I think you're you're right on. Let's not overreact to week one when it comes to the Chargers. They're the quintessential team. I don't understand people who will drop a player after week after one week unless they're injured. You want to go drop Dak Prescott? Makes all the sense in the world. But a team like this, I'm going to stay pat. And something that I think works with the Chargers, and we'll get to this, the Chiefs are kind of in the flip side of this. This is... A uh, couple of years now with Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, even Josh Palmer, the slot receiver. If you need, you know, take a flyer on a guy in a PPR league for a slot receiver, your starters are on a bye week, go get Josh Palmer. The Chargers are intact. These guys have played together. I think there's a lot to be said for that rhythm compared to something like the Steelers who have to go with either Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, who are rookie guys. Now, even, even Tyreek and Tua, what's that? chemistry going to be like for the Dolphins. That's a big advantage, I think, for the Chargers, and I really buy into that as guys who have been together, know each other, have played together. I think there's some continuity there that's really going to help give you a quick advantage. And if, as we transition over to the Chiefs here at some point in time, you have all new faces and all new places, and I'm not even sure which one of those guys I trust the most with you know, who's who's going to mesh with Patrick Mahomes other than Travis Kelsey. But I, I think I agree with most of what you said there on the Chargers, and yeah, do not do not go crazy dropping any of the Chargers players yet. No, definitely not, unless again serious injury. And don't go crazy picking up the guys, the fringe guys that had good weeks, like DeAndre Carter and Gerald Everett. Uh, moving on to the Chiefs, some guys that had good weeks: Travis Kelsey, 
obviously, if you got him, you're starting him, no questions asked. Same for Patrick Mahomes. If you've got him, you're starting him. Locked in and loaded. You're talking about other guys who could maybe be of value in the passing game specifically. Juju Smith-Schuster had eight targets, six catches, 79 yards, no touchdowns. But again, I'm coming at this from the PPR angle because I do think that's what, as much as you don't like it, I think that is kind of the way that fantasy football has gone and where most people's leagues lie. But still, he's getting, he's hitting those targets for a wide receiver that I talked about in the opening. He's over five targets. He's got six catches, 79 yards. If that's consistent, and we again, we only have one week of data, so we don't really have enough to say that it's a trend, but based off of one week of data in a, in a week where Kansas City put up 44 points, if that remains consistent, the touchdowns will come for Juju. Right, Just like it will be there for Kelsey. The opportunities will be there for Kelsey and Juju if that remains consistent. Another guy who had a good week, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Two receiving touchdowns, three catches, 32 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. Seven runs, 42 yards, no touchdowns on the ground. So those two touchdowns really boosted his day. We talked about that 13-touch threshold. Do we think that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to catch two touchdowns every week? Probably not. I I am selling what uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is putting out there because he wasn't even the leading rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs. That was Ricky Isaiah Pacheco, who had 12 carries, 62 yards, and a touchdown. And again, it's just week one where we're trying to get rookies acclimated to the NFL, and the Chiefs were using willing to use Pacheco 12 times on the ground to the tune of 5.2 yards per carry and a score. So there's a chance that Pacheco, I don't think becomes like a workhorse, but I do think there's a chance that he supplants CEH as the lead guy at some point this season. And that could happen sooner rather than later. So unless you believe in the receiving work that Clyde is going to get week over week, and I necessarily don't. I don't think Clyde is anything more than a flex play in spots. Um, and I think that Pacheco could become an every week flex play if he's going to be the lead back in Andy Reid led offense. Because before the past two seasons, Andy Reid offenses had produced top 10 running backs in nearly every year of Andy Reid's career from a fantasy perspective before the last two seasons. Well, how long until that comes back? Maybe Pacheco's that guy? I don't know. We'll see. It's something to monitor for sure, though. Um, I'm not sure that I would believe in Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, week over week. And the rookie Sky Moore, only one target. He caught it for 30 yards. Again, a good indicator of maybe how the Chiefs are going to bring him along slowly. It's really hard to tell with the rookies what's going on week over week over week. I want nothing to do with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Six 
total touchdowns last year, five total touchdowns in his rookie season. And I feel like that's part of this Andy Reid offense is he churns through running backs all the time, kind of looking at their recent history, kind of these no-name guys that they find, get a couple good years out of them, they move on. Spencer Ware, Charkandrick West, Niall Davis, DeAnthony Thomas, kind of the end of the Jamal Charles run there. Um, who are some of the other guys? The All those Williamses, Daryl Williams, uh, Damian Williams. They go through all these guys. I didn't understand the Clyde Edwards-Alaire draft when they took him, and I'm still not convinced. I think they're going to get a lot of touches because this is such a potent offense, but I just I really can't trust any Kansas City Chief running back. And they still have Jarek McKinnon running around there. So a lot of options for them to go with. And if you had to pick one of these Chiefs wide receivers, I would go Juju because I've always been a big fan of his game, and I think he's going to be revitalized. Being with Mahomes, he was just kind of, I feel like the injuries and then having to just ride it out with the end of Ben Roethlisberger really brought Juju's career down. I think he's going to be back, and I think he's going to be the guy. We've got uh, your favorite, Marquez Valdez-Scantling there now, and then McCole Hardman, who has that familiarity with Mahomes. They've had a great chemistry the last couple of years. Hardman's always been the number two behind Tyreek Hill. But if you had to pick one of those three, and then if you want to throw Sky Moore in there, if you had to have a Chiefs wide receiver, which of those four do you want? Uh, Juju, every time. Every time. Um, we've already seen it when Ben Roethlisberger was good early on in Juju's career. He was a borderline top 10 fantasy football wide receiver. And I don't think he's going back to that, but I do think he's either a low-end wide receiver too, meaning top 20, or he's a high-end flex play as a wide receiver, meaning somewhere in that 21 to 30 range week in, week out. And you'll take that every day, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So, like I said, I think there's – because he's actually probably the most experienced of the Chiefs wide receivers, the one who's shown the most at the NFL level outside of Travis Kelsey, who basically functions like a wide receiver. Um, I would take Juju for all those reasons. Agreed. I just didn't know if you would fall in love with your buddy, MVS. I like MVS. Again, he's a little bit boomer bust, and you, you don't know when the touchdowns are going to come. He could absolutely explode and have 30 points one week and then come back the next week and have three points, and it will be frustrating and maddening. You want to take the guys that you think can consistently produce, and that's who you're going to put in as starters and spots, and Juju has the best opportunity, opportunity to do that. Um, so the next game if we're going down the schedule here, I've got is the highly anticipated matchup of the Jets Browns um, Jets at Cleveland. Cleveland is a six and a half point favorite. I think the big thing here in, in week one for the Jets was the running back position. And people were really looking at that and wondering how much uh, Michael Carter is going to get used versus how much Brees Hall is going to get used. I'm not going to panic about the usage of Brees Hall. In fact, I actually like it. Um, Brees actually caught six passes, targeted nine times, six passes for 38 yards, six rushes for 23 yards, 12 total touches altogether. Um, but plenty of targets and just near that 13 touch 
threshold. Uh, I think this is going to be a situation to monitor all year, kind of the split uh, between Michael Carter and Brees Hall. I think um, the Jets are really going to bring Brees Hall along slowly. As the year goes on, we'll probably see bigger, better um, numbers from Brees as the season goes on. Michael Carter maybe shifts into that third down back kind of a role. And Brees kind of becomes the early down and often guy. I'm not predicting Jonathan Taylor type things or or anything like that for Brees Hall this season. Um, But I do think at a certain point, we'll see him kind of take over that backfield. You'll just have to have a little bit of patience and he's not much more than a flex play. Uh, I, I feel that way about Carter and Brees Hall right now. They're both kind of flex plays. If you drafted, Brees as your RB2, you're maybe a little bit disappointed. And that's where he was going in drafts preseason was at, in that RB2 range. You're maybe a little bit disappointed at this point, but I think you'll be happier kind of as the season progresses. Yeah, he's he's a rookie running back. Give him a couple of weeks. I think by week four or five, Brees Hall is going to be the guy. I think they'll still split time, he and Michael Carter. So I think they're both values if you want to keep Carter around as a handcuff. Because I think they're really going to have that playbook. It's going to be a lot of short passes, screen passes, plays out of the backfield for these guys. I don't think they're going to try to ask, ask Zach Wilson to chuck the ball to win games for them. I I know people like Garrett Wilson. We'll see what he's got to offer. But I want nothing to do with any of these wide receivers or tight ends for the Jets. If I am if I have to have a Jets player in fantasy, give me those two running backs, especially Brees Hall as the season goes along. But this... Yeah, I don't think either one should be your RB1, but Brees Hall could be a good RB2. And then if you want Michael Carter, if you need an emergency flex option, I like those two because I think they're going to get a lot of attention because the Jets are going to have to do a prominent running game and short passes to stay competitive. Well, in, in week one, they got down so much so fast against Baltimore. They actually ended up throwing the ball 59 times. And so the wide receivers, you talked about uh, the rookie wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Brees Hall, all those guys got somewhere in the realm of seven to 10 targets. Uh, I don't think that's going to be normal for the Jets where they throw the ball almost 60 times. It's going to be a game by game basis, but I do think they're going to be behind in plenty of games to where they could be throwing more. So, I'm not completely out. I know some people are expecting things from Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson um, this year. Maybe Elijah Moore. I think there's plenty of value in Elijah Moore, but maybe not so much Garrett Wilson. And then it will be a whole other element to this offense when Zach Wilson comes back. We'll see what that looks like once Zach Wilson is back. Um, For the Browns specifically, I think what you're – what you're looking at here is the running backs. Um, Nick Chubb had a good week, no touchdowns for Nick Chubb this past week, but he did carry that ball 22 times for 141 yards. Kareem Hunt got the lone rushing touchdown of the day, but 11 carries for 46 yards and a rushing touchdown. I think those are the really the top two guys. Amari Cooper as well, obviously, did not have the greatest of days. I'm not panicking on Mari Cooper or Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb in any in any shape or form. And the guy that surprised me was Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, 11 targets, 6 catches, 60 yards. 
I do think that Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's a guy that you would play if you are in a league where you're starting multiple flex positions. He could maybe slide into that second flex spot as kind of a low-end second flex there. I don't really trust that he's going to see that amount of targets, catches, receptions week over week over week. I think that's kind of just how the game plan worked out this week, but I don't trust that that's going to be consistent for him. I I agree with you on the running backs. I am a huge Nick Chubb fan, and I think Kareem Hunt can still be a tremendous player in the NFL, so I would absolutely roster both of these guys. Chubb is my RB1. I think he may be the highest-scoring player by the end of the season, or highest-scoring running back at least. Because you are relying on Jacoby Brissett, who had 147 yards and one touchdown this week, to basically carry you through the most of the season. Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's a nice story. I think he can he can get some numbers for you. But this is another team I really want nothing to do with the wide receivers. But if we're going to talk about panicking and overreacting, can I panic and overreact to Amari Cooper with three receptions for 17 yards? He was viewed to be the RB1 here. But if you if you see a decent... I'm trying to think of a guy here who had a good week one who is available. Can I panic and drop Amari Cooper to go get somebody who had a surprising week one? No, I don't think you're dropping Amari Cooper at this point. Um, He did have three receptions, but he had six targets. I would expect the targets to increase kind of as the season goes on for Amari Cooper. I don't, I think at this time you're, you're holding Amari Cooper. You're waiting for more data Chances are there's probably someone else further down on your bench that you can drop to pick up a guy like a Donovan Peoples-Jones or somebody of that nature. Maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones is a name on your waiver wire. There's probably better options on your waiver wire, and I guess we can get to those in a second. Um, But, yeah, I would say there's better options. I am panicking a little bit if I drafted David Njoku, maybe some deeper leagues where you've got – David Njoku as your top tight end. I think you're okay to drop David Njoku and go ahead and pick someone else up at this juncture. Um, I don't really see the value in keeping a guy like David Njoku around. Can somebody please tell me why people still love David Njoku? He's never had more than four receiving touchdowns in a season. His best season was in 2018 with 639 yards, but I feel like he's in that fringe, like tier two, People talk about, okay, we've got Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, Kyle Pitts, those guys at the top, and then David Njoku kind of always gets thrown around in there. Is it just a lack of tight end? So his numbers look good by comparison, but I feel like somebody always drafts David Njoku. And then they're mad when they get 300 yards and two touchdowns out of him. The people who are drafting David Njoku are the people who are waiting on tight end and kind of taking a, a flyer on a guy like him because at a certain point with the tight ends, it just becomes a dart throw, a crapshoot, and David Njoku is in that category of crapshoots. I'm I'm firmly off the ride. I don't know if I've heard anybody say that they necessarily love David Njoku. If you're starting him, it's not because you love doing it. It's because you just have some sort of a hope that, hey, um, Cleveland doesn't have anything else in their tight end room. Uh, maybe Jacoby Bursette. We'll throw to the tight end because that's what backup quarterbacks like to do. They like to throw to those pass-catching running backs and the tight ends. And you're just hoping that, as a result, maybe David Njoku catches a touchdown that week. So I think you uh, 
you're selling him off real quick. I mean, you're just you're just dropping him right for someone else. You're trying some other dart throw tight end. All right, what else you got for us on the schedule? Uh, Commanders, Lions, real quick here. Do we have um, to? Uh, we do because I feel like the uh, we got to talk about the resurgence of uh, Carson Wentz, man. Uh, 313 passing yards, four touchdowns, two picks. I'm selling this, although I do think if you're maybe in a multiple quarterback league, or further on down the line, um, if you're looking for a fill-in for your bye week, maybe Carson Wentz is a good option. Maybe not. Uh, there's also a chance that he reverts back and throws no touchdowns and two picks and 200 yards. That's also entirely possible, but he did have a good week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, so you got to keep that in perspective. Um, Antonio Gibson leading receiver and leading rusher for the commanders as well. So I think he's kind of locked in. If you've got Antonio Gibson, you're probably starting him in your second running back spot, maybe <laughs> your, flex, your flex spot. And I think that's a good place for him. Uh, the big guy um, who really came on here was a couple guys, actually surprising in a good way. Um, Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, probably a hot name on the waiver wire, and I definitely did pick him up in in a few leagues. Not every single league. It wasn't a top priority for me, uh, mostly because there's just so much depth at wide receiver. But, but you can't deny the volume that Curtis Samuel got thrown his way in week one. Seems like a guy that Carson Wentz kind of likes throwing the ball to because, again, it's a short route. That's why Gibson and Curtis Samuel, they're running a lot of those shorter routes and they're getting more involved. He's not pushing the ball down the field, I guess is what I'm trying to say when it comes to Carson Wentz. So the guys that kind of operate on that shorter area closer to the line of scrimmage are going to be the guys who are more valuable in the Washington offense. So am I nervous about Terry McLaurin? No, if you drafted Terry McLaurin, you're starting him. He's going to have his big weeks. I just don't know if those big weeks are going to be as often as we thought they would, considering that once is is probably the best quarterback that Terry McLaurin has ever played with. But it seems like the commanders have other receiving options now. Uh, on the Lions side of things, DeAndre Swift was everything we thought he could be and more. 15 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. And then also had a, a decent day receiving as well. Plenty of receiving work for DeAndre Swift with a three, carry, uh, three receptions and 31 yards as well. So he's getting used like a first-round running back. And chances are you probably drafted him in the second round, and maybe he's your – if you want running back, running back, maybe he, DeAndre Swift is your RB2. Or if you want wide receiver running back, maybe he's your running back one. And you're happy with that because if this is the kind of usage that Swift is going to get for the whole season, he's going to be worthy of that RB1 status. And so I think that's kind of the surprising thing here is that DeAndre Swift has real RB1 value. Amon Ross St. Brown kind of picked up where he ended last year. Jamison Williams is out. DJ Chark is there. 
he had a decent week, but Amon Ross St. Brown had 12 targets, eight catches, 64 yards, a touchdown. If he's going to have that, then he's going to pick up right where he left off last year with like the last five weeks. I believe he was in the top 20, maybe even top 15 in the last five weeks of last season. So you're starting him, you're starting DeAndre Swift, and you're you're probably starting TJ Hawkinson. He got seven targets, so I think there's better days ahead. There's no real reason to panic, panic with TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, I I really like the Giants, kind of the big three that you mentioned there. DeAndre Swift, we finally get to see him seemingly healthy and Looks to have a great season ahead of him, so I'm I'm buying the hype on him. TJ Hawkinson probably not available in your league. I think Amon Ross St. Brown, maybe a sneaky guy. If he's still available in your league for some inexplicable reason, go get him. I think each of those three can have good seasons. For whatever you want to say about Jared Goff, I think he's always been good at spreading the ball around and the systems he's in. He really moves the ball all over the place. He doesn't lock in on one guy. And Jamison Williams, I'm looking here, they're projecting, so their buy is week six. So I think they may save him till after the bye week, and then you get him in late October. I think by the time he's back, this offense will be humming, and I think great things for him if you have one of those leagues that has the IR spot or, IR spot or a couple of IR people, go get Jamison Williams. It sounds crazy, but watch out for this Lions team to actually put together a pretty decent offense. When you look at that, if you can have Jamison Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, and DeAndre Swift, Goff is going to make mistakes. He's going to throw dumb interceptions, but the actual players around him, I think he's going to get a lot out of these guys. And on the Washington side, you you can have all those Washington players you want. I am not interested in Curtis Samuel. Uh, I'm not, I absolutely agree with you. You're selling Carson Wentz unless you're in like a ten or twelve team league where you have to start two quarterbacks. Carson Wentz had this one crazy week. He was the third highest scoring quarterback, so you have to be impressed with that. But in the long run, sixteen. Weeks, whatever it may be that your league goes, I I cannot trust Carson Wentz based on everything we've seen out of his career. Go get Antonio Gibson as your flex. Go get Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver, one or two. And I I will let you take Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel. I want nobody on this team except for Gibson and McLaurin. Maybe Logan yeah. Thomas if he gets if he gets back on track. I don't think I want Jahan Dotson. Again, his volume wasn't what I was expecting, and he turned it into uh, two touchdowns. So he had a lower volume and turned it I don't think you can ignore the volume of Chris Samuel. 11 targets, he catches. When you're starting multiple flex spots, that's where you're picking up Samuel. New internet. Mike Evans. There you go. Now you're back with us. You were chopping out there pretty bad at the start of your Bucks Saints talk. Oh, sorry. Um, well, I, I guess I do need new internet. Um, I think there's three guys you use from the Bucks: Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans. Those three. I think it's that simple. Defense too. If you're if you're playing defense, you're probably starting their defense. Maybe they're. Kicking. One offensively, made more touchdowns. Their defense was down against a poor Cowboys offense. Um, I think this is going to be a little bit of a defensive matchup. I wouldn't expect high-scoring numbers in this one. And then Saints-wise, Michael Thomas touchdowns. You would expect that the Saints are going to get him more involved as the weeks go on. Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Week in, week out basis. 
Okay. You were you were telling people to get Jameis instead of Dak Prescott. Absolutely, get Jameis instead of Dak Prescott, one hundred percent. Anything to add to that? I think I would still rather have an injured Dak Prescott than a healthy Jameis as my quarterback. Um, go ahead. I would encourage you to look into some of the numbers. I think uh, I think you would uh, dispute that. I, I know you're just trying to be funny, maybe, but uh, Jameis Winston, not a bad fantasy quarterback. I'll, I'll let that be known. Panthers-Giants, I think the big thing here is the battle of the running backs, right? If you drafted Saquon Barkley, I saw Saquon Barkley in some drafts going second, third round even, you are really happy right now if you drafted Saquon Barkley in the third round of your fantasy football draft. You, you're thinking you got an absolute steal, and you did. If if he continues on this way and he's healthy all season with the usage that he was given in week one, this is a clear – he's a clear-cut RB1, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Christian McCaffrey didn't have the best day, but again – He's going to put up RB1 numbers. There's nothing to panic about with Christian McCaffrey. And there's nothing to panic about with DJ Moore either. And I think those are really the guys from this game, from these two teams that that you're starting. And you're, you're not starting these quarterbacks unless you're desperate. Or really any of the Giants wide receivers or tight ends. Um, you're not starting any of them either. So it's really the running backs and DJ Moore from this game in my perspective. I want nothing to do with Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey. I am willing to be wrong on this, but I think that was a one-game fluke by Saquon Barkley. Is he still potentially a 1,000-yard rusher? Yes. Would I rather have Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, guys like that? Absolutely. But the Saquon Barkley performance, as inspiring as it was in the first week, I just I cannot get behind that. Both of these guys, too many injuries, too many times where you've been burned thinking it's going to be the bounce back year. I, I I would much rather trust a Jonathan Taylor over either of these guys. And yes, I know it's easy to say if you have the number one overall pick and you got Jonathan Taylor, but I think Saquon Barkley definitely is going to tail off. CMC didn't have an amazing week one, but yes, they're going to get a lot of volume, and I would agree with you. Stay as far away from the wide receivers and quarterbacks in this game as you can. I don't know that there's any value for you in any of those positions unless you are truly in an emergency situation. But this this is going to be the one I think I probably disagree with most people on as I'm the old Saquon is not back, in my opinion. I need more than one good week to jump on the bandwagon with him again. Again, I don't think he's going to put up the same numbers that he did this week because, again, touchdowns are random. What I can say is I come at things from the lens of you have to assume full health until it's not there. And I know the injury history of both of these guys, right? I think it's very likely that neither of these guys play the full 16, 17 games. In fact, it's very likely that they won't. But in the games that they will play in, if their usage remains what it is over the course of the season and they're fully healthy enough to play 14 games, 15 games, right, you're going to see RB1 numbers from these two guys. That's just who they are. Um, So enough about them. Patriots, Steelers, 
I am staying far, mm-hmm. far away from the Patriots offense from a fantasy football perspective. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going for the running backs or the tight ends, really. I mean, if you grab Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson, you're probably starting Damian Harris maybe in some regard, maybe Ramondre at a flex play. I'm not really too keen on either of those guys, but if there were two guys from the Patriots you wanted to have from a fantasy perspective, it would be those two. Steelers-wise, there's a couple guys. The big one is Najee Harris, who didn't have the greatest week one and also had an injury scare. Now, it sounds like he should be all right. He had a little bit of a foot issue, but it's definitely something to monitor kind of as the week progresses we'll need to make sure and maybe if you have the roster spots for it you go roster Jalen Warren he was certainly a guy that I added across my leagues in the event that Najee Harris is hurt Jalen Warren becomes an automatic starter because he's going to get the work that Najee Harris left behind he he can't do it at the same level, but he will get the opportunity. It's a little bit like Mike Davis has been the past couple of years where CMC got hurt, right? Mike Davis stepped in and filled in admirably, and he got plenty of work. Um, we've seen guys like Mike Davis, that's just one example, fill in and, and do a, a decent job at replacing production of a star running back. So, I know we think Najee Harris is fine. Maybe roster Jalen Warren just in case. And the other guy that I'm I'm looking at from the Steelers is Deontay Johnson. So those are kind of the two guys in this game that I'd be looking at from a fantasy perspective. Those are the ones that I would start if I had them on my roster. And it's, I think it's, Interesting how we're on the same page with the Patriots. I want nothing to do with any Patriots offensive player in the past. Tom Brady and maybe Gronk on a good year are the only ones you really want. I never trust a Patriots player because they have these weird idiosyncratic breakouts and then regress to the mean or worse. The Steelers, though, have a lot of options more than you realize. And I think you and I both like this team, but different players. I think Najee Harris is one who owners are probably disappointed in week one, expected a lot more out of than eight points. I think he's going to erupt throughout the season. So keep him as your RB one or two, depending on how well your draft worked out. I refuse to give up on chase Claypool. I will go down with that ship. George Pickens is the guy that I'm really curious about. You don't need to start him right now, but if he's available, maybe go stash him. Maybe you had somebody get injured. who's going to be out three or four weeks. Go pick up George Pickens as a backup guy. I Deontay Johnson scares me too much. He's going to get a lot of targets, but the dropsies and everything else that goes along. I I can't trust Deontay Johnson. I don't know enough about Mr. Jalen Warren, the guy who I don't think you mentioned that a lot of people seem to be really intrigued with. I'm kind of 50, 50 on him is Pat Firemuth, the tight end for them. They're the Steelers. Steelers love using tight ends. He didn't have a great first week, but they don't have a lot else happening in the tight end room. So the tight end there, Firemuth for the Steelers, maybe a guy looks like he's mostly rostered in almost every league, but if he's available and you need a tight end, he may be a guy worth looking at, taking a flyer on. I'd feel better if I had like a Darren Waller as my starter and he was the backup. But plenty of options here with the Steelers. It's just kind of who's going to be the the man and can the quarterbacks get it to him? Can Pickett or Trubisky make these guys worthwhile? Yeah, I do think Firemuth is is worthy 
of being a tight end starter. I mean, he got 10 targets, five catches, 75 yards. You don't like Deontay Johnson, but again, PPR league, Deontay Johnson's going to see plenty of work. Uh, he's going to be a threat every week to have seven or eight catches. So that's seven or eight points just off catches alone. And then you add the yards on top of that and then maybe a touchdown. You're looking at plenty of great production from Deontay Johnson from a fantasy perspective. And he was definitely top 20 last year. So uh, Deontay Johnson is a guy you're playing. George Pickens only got three targets one catch the first week. Again, we can't overreact to week one. And he's a rookie, so maybe they're bringing him along slowly. But typically, guys that have that kind of stat line week one don't perform at a consistent enough level. I think we're a year away on George Pickens. I, th- I don't think this is the year that George Pickens is fantasy relevant. I think that's next year. So if you're in a dynasty league, that's the the beauty of dynasty leagues is you would stash away a guy like George Pickens this year and keep him for next year. Um, and I think he'll be really valuable in the future. Chase Claypool, uh, you and I disagree there because I'm, I am out on Chase Claypool. I, you're not using him unless it's an emergency at this point, point in time. Uh, Enough about Patriots-Steelers, which could be a really boring game. Uh, Let's move to another potential real boring game. Colts-Jaguars. Talked about Jonathan Taylor. He's no doubt locked and loaded as your RB1 starter. You saw enough out of him last week to justify it. And you're starting him every week. Uh, The surprising thing, maybe for some, didn't really come as a surprise to me as I was high on the sky preseason, but Michael Pittman had an excellent week one. And I think he's a borderline top 10 wide receiver from a fantasy perspective this season, based off what we saw in week one from Michael Pittman. Yeah. And I think the, the Colts offense is going to clean up this year, partially by virtue of, playing in the AFC South, which is garbage. Frank Reich is the offensive wizardry. Matt Ryan, I think, is going to bring a, a veteran leadership to this team and a, a football IQ on the offense. And like like we mentioned, kind of with the Chargers, they're all in place. There's new pieces here getting Matt Ryan worked into that offense. Some of the other teams we've talked about, like the Steelers, we just mentioned a lot of new faces. They're trying to get worked in and build that team chemistry. But I could see Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman being a new version of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I think Pittman has that kind of potential. I'm with you on that. And 13 targets. Again, who else are they going to throw to? They basically have Paris Campbell as a, a second option, but there's a long way down. I, I, I'm I, going to say I would because I do have Matt Ryan as my quarterback starter on a few teams. Absolutely, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman are RB1 and wide receiver one. Naheem Hines is interesting. Matt Ryan running backs have always typically been dual threats and get a lot of catches out of the backfield. Six receptions for 50 yards, so he may be one to maybe consider stashing as a handcuff. Yeah, I think it is more of a handcuff type deal. I, I can't think of too many times where you're you're saying, I'm going to start Naheem Hines over a guy like a Juju Smith-Schuster or or others um, that are maybe in contention for that flex position. 
maybe like a Cortland Sutton or a Marquise Brown or anything of that nature. I can't think of too many times other than maybe Jonathan Taylor, if he's out for whatever reason, or you would start Naheem Hines on the Jaguar side of the ball. I think there was a lot of preseason hype about Travis Etienne. Etienne. I don't know. I, I always get that one wrong. Um, I think people are a little bit freaking out about the week one that Etienne had. But if you look at uh, the plays, he, he just barely missed scoring a couple of touchdowns. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence missed him on a couple throws that would have been touchdowns. I also don't like the usage here on ETN. So I'm not out. I'm slightly panicking if I drafted Travis Etienne. I'm also willing to hold, I think. Um, So I think we're in kind of a holding pattern with him. James Robinson got the bulk of the carries, 11 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown. He might be in contention for a flex spot. I view this very similar to kind of the Michael Carter, Brees Hall dynamic that we have with the Jets. I think it's going to be kind of a situation where you might be able to start both of them for the whole season. And then Christian Kirk, it's it's kind of like what we just talked about with the Colts, but to a lesser extent, as Christian Kirk isn't as talented, but he still saw 12 targets. He caught six of them for 117 yards. If he's going to keep seeing that many targets week in, week out, he's a flex play. He's maybe even a wide receiver to play with those kinds of numbers, right? So, And they paid him big money, so they're obviously going to throw the ball his way. And that's a, that's another thing that we haven't really talked about much to this point, but follow the money on some of these guys, right? Teams that paid a wide receiver or running back big money in the offseason to come in and provide something for their offense, well, they aren't just not going to use those guys. So the Jaguars paid big money for Christian Kirk. They're going to throw the ball his way plenty when they throw the ball. It's because they had a plan for him because they wanted to make him a big part of the game plan. And we saw that unfold in week one. And I think we'll see that consistently from Christian Kirk. It's not a, it's not a sexy pick or a sexy play, but it, it is a player that can help you win a week. Yeah, I'm, I'm not super bullish on any of these Jags weapons, but James Robinson, Christian Kirk and Travis Etienne, I would, I would stash on my bench, see how we're feeling. ETN, especially because he's got the dual threat, they'll use him, I think, more as the receiving back. And James Robinson going to be your hammer, kind of running up the middle player. But are how far in are you on Trevor Lawrence? Kind of a middling week one, 16 points in our league based on setting. So kind of a low-end QB1, 275 yards and a touchdown. But... You know, like you mentioned, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones is a guy that got a lot of targets. Would you be willing to play Trevor Lawrence as a QB one, or is he more of a, in case of emergency, break glass this season? I don't think he's like that far. I think he's somewhere in between. I think you're not thrilled if Trevor Lawrence is your QB one. I don't think you're, um, you know, too too sad either if he's your QB one. So it's somewhere in between. I. I th- still think he's more of that 
I'll put him in there if it's the bye week for my starter range right now. Could he, by the season's end, be in that, oh, man, we should have been starting this guy every week range? I do think that's a possible outcome for him. I just don't see it at this point. What what game you got next? All right. We're going to keep rolling here. Dolphins-Ravens. Big The big thing from week one that I noticed was the Dolphins are just going to use their receivers in their passing offense. They aren't going to use the tight end. So if you drafted Mike Kosicki, I'm sorry. It's time to get off the train. He was a non-factor in a game where the Dolphins threw the ball plenty. Nearly all of that passing work went to Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, as it should, with a little bit of Cedric Wilson mixed in there, some Chase Edmonds too, right? Um, I I am off the Dolphins' tight ends. So if you got Mike Gesicki, get him to the free agent pool as quickly as you can. Um, and the, the thing that you want from this team is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Chase Edmonds also got plenty of usage. And again, like we talked about with Christian Kirk, follow the money. They're going to use Chase Edmonds this season in Miami. That was going to be my question for you is these Miami running backs because there's so many of them. Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds. They got some guy named Alex Ingold working in there. Um, was Miles Gaskin? Is he still on the roster there? Miami feels like they have so many options. I am all the way in on Jalen Waddle. I doubted him for the longest time, and I'm a huge Jalen Waddle believer as a uh, wide receiver one. So I think the Dolphins with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, two wide receiver ones, two great weeks out of those guys. Weirdly, Tyreek Hill looked like he was more the possession guy, and Jalen Waddle was the home run hitter, which. I would have expected, you know, we think of Tyreek Hill as the fastest guy in the league, the home run hitter. But I like those two. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Tight ends, no thank you. But I think I'm a little bit different. I, I'm scared of all these running backs because there's so many mouths to feed in this offense. I think, again, follow the usage, right? 16 touches for Chase Edmonds. There are plenty of mouths to feed, but in a backfield, a crowded backfield, he stood out in terms of touches. And so if that remains consistent, you're feeling good about Chase Edmonds. And I think you could probably, because his week one wasn't outstanding. If you're looking for someone to buy low on a trade candidate, possibly I would trade for Chase Edmonds at this point. If I needed a running back for my flex spot, I would highly consider making a a trade for a Chase Edmonds type player. Um, on the Ravens side, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, nothing out of the ordinary there. I don't think there's anything to panic about with either one, especially not in Lamar's case or even Mark Andrews' case. I think they're going to come and have um, big weeks just like they had they had all last year. And that's kind of the guy from the Ravens passing offense that I want is Mark Andrews. Devin Duvernay had four catches and two touchdowns. Shad Bateman had a big, long touchdown, but only five targets and two catches. I'm out on the Baltimore wide receivers. I know there was a lot of preseason hype for Rashad Bateman. Uh, I am out on that, and the only part of the Baltimore offense that I want on my team at this juncture is Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. 
And you you beat me to the punch on that one. I was going to ask if you are at all buying the hype on Devin Duvernay or Rashad Bateman. These are two guys to me, especially Duvernay, who is seemed to be getting drafted inexplicably high. I didn't know weeks ago on the AFC preview episode, <clears throat> but I, I want Rashad Bateman to break out. I want him to be the wide receiver one, but it's too early for me. I need to see how the season plays out. And the the running backs here, just nothing happening for the running backs from fantasy wise. Mark Andrews, I think by the end of the season, will be the basically the wide receiver one from this team. So he's going to get all the targets. And then I, yeah, keep me away from Duvernay and Rashad Bateman is a guy who I want to be there, but right now he's maybe a wide receiver three or a flex if you need. So I think you, you distilled the Ravens down perfectly. Yeah, abs- absolutely uh, agree with your assessment of Bateman there. Uh, Falcons, Rams, do we want to start with the good or the bad? Um, because there's good and bad for both teams from a fantasy perspective. Let's start with the bad. Cam Akers. Told you. Three- I, I will stand by this. Do not trust these Rams running backs. None of them are that good. Sorry, carry on. Um. Well, no. Oh. Don't trust Cam Akers um, because he was not really involved in the game plan and three carries for zero yards, right? Horrible week one and also a guy that's coming off of a torn Achilles. Daryl Henderson was the lead guy, had 15 fantasy points from a PPR perspective, clearly the RB1. If there's any chance that Daryl Henderson is free and available in any of your leagues, go grab him immediately, plug and play. Because it's clear to me that Daryl Henderson is going to be the guy. And uh, Cam Akers, we'll see. I am completely off. Unfortunately, in a couple situations, I bought into the uh, Cam Akers hype. And... uh, I am now regretting that decision. So I'm off on Cam Akers. There's another guy who had an underwhelming week one for the Rams, and that was Allen Robinson. I think this is going to be a week where Allen Robinson bounces back against Atlanta. I'm I'm a hold on Allen Robinson. I am not completely off the Allen Robinson train at this point. If he's not able to have a decent game against the Atlanta Falcons, then I think it's time to panic, maybe seek a trade, maybe even drop him. But I'm not panicking on Allen Robinson at this point. On the Atlanta side, Kyle Pitts was underwhelming in week one. I'm not panicking on Kyle Pitts. I think the Falcons are going to be in plenty of situations where they have to throw this year, and they're going to – throw plenty to Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Drake London had a pretty good week one and I'm buying Drake London, the consistency of Drake London and think he will be good uh, to start in a flux spot week over week. And then probably by later in the season, Drake London is possibly even a wide receiver in that wide receiver two range, but you're still plugging and playing Kyle Pitts as a tight end one and I'm not freaking out about the week one performance of Kyle. <clears throat> the Rams, I think people are overreacting to the Rams just in total. But I, I want nothing to do with these Rams running backs. I don't care which one of it it is. 
Sean McVay loves to spread it around to all these different guys. Makes it very tough to really trust any of their players, but especially the backfield. He has not had a thousand yard rusher since Todd Gurley in 2018, and he inherited Todd Gurley. So really, as this Sean McVay system has taken place, I think Sony Michelle had 800 some yards, and that was the best he's had in the last couple of years. So keep me as far away from these Rams running backs. You can have all of them you want. Receivers, obviously, you're taking Cooper Cup. We're not going to argue that. He's one of the best players in fantasy in week one. So he absolutely believe the hype on Cooper Cup. He's going to get that kind of attention. The rest of these guys, I I don't know what to make of it. I don't think any of these tight ends. It has to be Allen Robinson. I don't know who else would break out for this team. And Atlanta, I think Atlanta is kind of a microcosm of how I see the season going. I'm a big fan of this rookie wide receiver class. I think Drake London especially is going to be amazing. I think Traylon Burks is going to have a good shot. I think Chris Olave will be a great uh, possession wide receiver. We'll see about Garrett Wilson. I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people are, but I think you're going to have a lot of options. George Pickens, we talked about. I think some of these guys will break out this year, and especially Drake London is the one I think is going to have a tremendous rookie campaign. So I would go out and get him immediately. Like you mentioned, you're getting Kyle Pitts. Do not be scared away by the lackluster week one. He's going to get there. It's getting their QB situation figured out, getting Mariota under center, whether end up going with um, Desmond Ritter. It's, it's all about getting that continuity in the offense going. Cordell, Cordell Patterson's very interesting. Basically had 20 points this week and is a dual threat player. I'd maybe stash him if he's still available in your league, but I think Pitts and London for sure I would want, and then Patterson potentially the other running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, QB, no thank you for the Atlanta, but those three, I think there's some points to be had. I would totally agree with that. Um, and yeah, Cooper Cup, didn't even mention the guy. Don't feel like I need to because it's just a given at this point, right? You, If you drafted him, you probably drafted him first round. You're starting him every week unless he's injured. There's just no, no way around it. Um, Seahawks 49ers. Yuck. Yuck, you can say that. Uh, from the Seahawks perspective, Rashad Penny finished the last six weeks, I believe. He was the leading rusher in the NFL over the last six weeks that of, of last mean. season. I need to look this up. Um, that can't be real. I swear. I mean, I know Pete Carroll likes to rush the ball, but. He had like 675 yards in the last six we- weeks of the season. I swear um, it it was crazy. Anyways, we had high usage yet again on Monday night of Rashad Penny. Kenneth Walker, the third is back. So watch the usage between the two. It's one of these Michael Carter, Brees Hall situations that we're in again with the rookie running back who's talented, but the Seahawks are going to commit to running the ball. So I do think that Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker the third are both worth stashing. And those are the guys on this offense that I, I really like. DK Metcalf did not have a very inspiring week one. Uh, I believe five catches for around 20 yards or so. Just a very abysmal week one for DK Metcalf. Maybe there's better things in store for him as the weeks come. I mean, he's really the main threat in the passing game. Tyler Lockett is kind of a guy that I'm out on. He was more of a Russell Wilson guy 
someone that Russell Wilson could connect with on deep shots. But Tyler Lockett was horribly inconsistent. And I don't think the deep shot aspect of the Seattle offense is there this year with Geno Smith under center. So if Seahawks are going to keep rolling with Geno Smith, I think the guys you can roster here are Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker the third, but also DK Metcalf. Maybe Noah Fant if you're desperate for a tight end. I think DK Metcalf is one of those guys who's going to burn people where they think of all the great numbers he had, and if they weren't paying attention to how much of that was Russell Wilson – I think that's he's going to be a guy who's kind of destined for a down year while they figure out what they're doing at quarterback or they don't have a quarterback. Tyler Lockett may still be able to get you some return yardage or do something there, but I think Lockett and Metcalf, yeah, those guys are going to hurt people. But I looked up Rashad Penny's numbers. So nobody cared about the Seahawks because by the end of the year, they were awful. He was intermittently playing before week 13. So kind of got eased in in week 13. And like you mentioned, so the last five weeks of the season last year, he went over 130 yards four times and had a cumulative six touchdowns in those final five games. Rushing, I should say. Um, not really much of a receiving back, but yeah, did not did not realize that because the Seahawks were so terrible and everybody was checked out on them, but Rashad Penny crushed it at the end of the season last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was a league winner in a lot of, a lot of cases because he could have been picked up on the waiver wire. And so this year... There's some teams where I'm starting Rashad Penny as my RP2. I feel a lot better with Rashad Penny as my flex spot, but he he's legitimate as in RB2 slash flex play this year. But the Niners, I think it's no surprise. Debo Samuel is probably the top fantasy football option here. He gets passing volume and he gets rushing work. He's going to get a lot of both this year. George Kittle a guy that a lot of guys are depending on. Um, he was out week one. There's there's rumors of him being out week two. So that will be the thing is can George Kittle get on the field? When, he, when he's on the field, he's great. He's in that Kelsey Kittle Waller range that we've talked about before. Um, it's going to rotate running backs maybe to a frustrating level, but – I think Jeff Wilson will get most of the work. So if you're really searching for a running back after week one, you kind of need a guy to help you out for a few weeks here, maybe those seven to eight weeks until Elijah Mitchell's back. You cut out in the middle of that. I think you were telling us all to drop George Kittle. I don't think I was telling you to drop George Kittle. Oh. Um, I think I think we can definitely depend on George Kittle when he's in the game. Uh, the what I was saying though is go pick up Jeff Wilson in every league that you can because of the Elijah Mitchell injury, and don't overreact to the Week One performance from Trey Lance. The field was horrible because of the weather conditions, and also Soldier Field is just an awful field to play on. It's been talked about many times. The grass field, not well taken care of. Lots of injuries happen on Soldier Field because the field's not well taken care of. Not a lot that you can glean from either the Bears or the Niners in that game. I do think it was encouraging if you drafted Trey Lance as your starting quarterback 
which I did in certain instances, um, that he got plenty of rushing attempts, and I think that's going to remain and therefore make him a viable quarterback one this season because of the rushing work that he's going to get. It's a little bit like like Jalen Hurts where he gets enough rushing work and passes the ball well enough to be a very viable top 10 quarterback week in, week out. I, I view Trey Lance in that same light. I think you're right on that with the Bears and the 49ers. Take nothing away from that week one. That was a aberration on all fronts, good, bad, and otherwise. I just nobody on well with Kittle injured. The only person I really trust on this offense is Debo Samuel. Maybe we'll see what Brandon Ayuk. Um, if that was a weird fluke thing as well, but I, I I don't want Trey Lance or the running backs on this team. The wide receivers and Kittle, yes, please. Uh, quick side note, while we're talking about the Seahawks, I know this isn't really part of this week's topic, but Jamal Adams now injured and out for the season. Just a reminder why the Seahawks are now terrible and they had nothing but Russell Wilson left. They traded away two first-round picks to the Jets, 2021 and 2022, to get Jamal Adams, who has had one good season for them and then a bad season and now an injured season. So if you're wondering how to tear apart a franchise, watch, watch what the Seahawks have done in the last five years. As you were. Carry on. (laughs) All right. Um, Bengals, Cowboys. I think the the guys that we thought were going to be good for the Bengals preseason. I'm trying. I'm having massive technical issues this week. You're back. The the big three, I'll call them, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, all perform to the level that we kind of expect. You're keeping those guys... You're not st- you're not getting rid of them in any fashion. They're probably locked in starters for you. T. Higgins probably also a locked in starter. Nothing surprising from the Bengals in Week One, right? Those four guys you're probably locked locked and loaded with all of them. The Cowboys, it's panic season with the Cowboys. Ceedee Lamb did not have a good Week One, even before Dak got hurt. Ceedee Lamb was not having a great Week One. Ezekiel Elliott looked like he was doing some things in the running game, but for whatever reason, the Cowboys chose to not use him continuously. Now, Zeke and Pollard are are the two guys from this offense that I think I would keep around. And you're you're keeping CeeDee Lamb, but you don't feel as confident like if you drafted CeeDee Lamb as your wide receiver one, which I know plenty of people that did. You're now feeling like he's a wide receiver two masquerading as your wide receiver one, and, and you're right. In some certain cases, I would even put C.D. Lamb on the bench um, if you have better options. If you don't, you've got to trot him out there, but it's a major downgrade for the uh, wide receivers and tight ends of Dallas I don't think you can count on any of those guys going forward with that being on. I think Tony Pollard will pick it up in the passing game and he'll have to because Cooper Rush is going to throw in plenty of short swing passes that Tony Pollard's going to have to make something happen. And Zeke's going to run the ball a lot, probably get run into the ground a little bit this season now that Dak is. And that's kind of my outlook on uh, both of those teams at this point. Yeah, it's time to have a fire sale without Dak Prescott. Uh, if you have any Cowboys players, maybe Zeke has some value and gets back on track here because they're going to have to run the ball. Let me let me propose a trade to you. 
if I have CD Lamb, basically CD Lamb for Amon Ross St. Brown, are you taking that trade? If you if you have CD Lamb and somebody offers you that, at this point, yeah, I'm taking Amon Ross St. Brown every day, every single day. Mike, um, Mike William Mike Williams or CD Lamb? I'll keep CD Lamb for right now. Because yeah. I think there is some potential there. C.D. Lamb is a big touchdown guy. Michael Gallup is your kind of PPR wide receiver. Yeah, without Dak Prescott, I'm that's that's the one thing I'm going to say. Let's overreact and panic too. Is the Cowboys without Dak at quarterback? Yeah, I think that's very valid. Uh, a very valid concern. All right. So, anything else? I just. I I need more before I'm going to trust T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I uh, Tyler Boyd. I agree with you on the triplets; those three are in there. But T Higgins, I'm still I still have cold feet on him being a true because he's ranked right below Debo Samuel and right above AJ Brown. Give me Debo Samuel and AJ Brown all day before T Higgins. I think that's a fair assessment at this at this point in time. Although if you drafted T Higgins, you're still starting him um, because of where you drafted him. Texans, Broncos, Texans. There was a preseason rookie running back, Damian Pierce. Um, so I'm not sure what to make of the Texans running back situation. I don't want to overact to week one, but I, I don't think Damian Pierce got the usage that I believe he would. And that was really maybe the one piece of the Texans offense that I was looking to from a fantasy football perspective was maybe Damian Pierce is like, you lost me again. Uh, I'm sorry. You're going to have to do a lot of editing this week. Yeah, no worries. You were, you were talking about how great Damian Pierce is. Uh, or is not. Or is not. <laughs> um, Damian Pierce did not get the usage that I thought he would. Instead, all of that went to Rex Burkhead. So I am concerned about Damian Pierce here in week one. Maybe, again, it's a case of bringing a rookie along slowly, which I've said multiple times over this podcast. Something to monitor week in, week out with the Texans running back situation. But that's really the only part of this team that I want from a fantasy perspective. On the Broncos' side... You're starting Russ. You're starting Javante Williams and probably Cortland Sutton and to a lesser extent, Jerry Judy from this Broncos offense. Definitely those top three I mentioned, Javante Williams, Russ, Cortland Sutton. You're starting those three guys. And I was really impressed with the uh, amount of targets that Javante Williams got in that Monday night game as well. If that keeps up, he, he's going to be on the borderline of RB1, probably just high-end RB2 territory, but that's still good for where you drafted Javante Williams. You'll take him as your RB2 at this point with what you saw in week one. I, I didn't like the fumble on the goal line. Both he and Melvin Gordon decided they were going to fumble on the goal line. And so it could have been a lot bigger night for Javante Williams. But again, I think the touchdowns will come as the season progresses for both uh, Javante Williams and also Cortland Sutton. I think the touchdowns will be there, even though they weren't there in week one. Um, and we will we will see how that goes. And I'm excited about this Broncos offense. I think it wasn't the best showing for them in week one. But again, 
some of that goes back to not having your starters play in week one. I think as the season goes on, the Broncos offense is going to look a lot better than it did on uh, Monday night. So you'd rather have Cortland Sutton than Jerry Judy? At this point in time, yes. Uh, Jerry Judy caught the big touchdown. I don't know if that's sustainable week over week. And all the reports preseason and from what I saw on Monday night was that Russell was kind of – Cortland Sutton was kind of Russ's go-to guy. And to put it in, in terms that we can understand is Cortland Sutton is what DK Metcalf was those last couple of years, the big numbers, right? And Jerry Judy, I see as more of that Tyler Lockett, that inconsistent, you aren't going to know when to start him, when to play him. At certain points, I think Cortland Sutton's going to give you more of a week over week consistency that Jerry Judy just won't provide you. And I think that's the perfect comparison. I think Russ has his new Lockett and Metcalf and Judy and Sutton. Not sure about the tight end position. And I I know Javante Williams is going to get looks, but I don't know that I like him as a star running back. And then nothing out of the Houston Texans. I want no Houston Texans offensive player unless you're truly in trouble on a bye week and you need a quarterback. Go get Davis Mills just for like a one-week rental. But I every, everybody else on the Texans scares me. I think that's fair, but um, remember that even on bad teams, guys can put up good fantasy stats, just like what we saw with Rashad Penny last year. Maybe Damian Pierce can break out. So he is someone that you need to keep on your radar from a fantasy perspective. Cardinals Raiders, I was very not impressed with the Cardinals in week one. They absolutely got the doors blown off of them by the Kansas City Chiefs, and in a lot of aspects, it looked like they weren't even ready to play. So there's there's three guys, probably actually four guys from the Cardinals offense, that if you have them, you're starting them no matter what. That's Kyler Murray, this is James Conner, Marquise Brown, and Zach Ertz. You're starting each and every one of those guys if you drafted them based off of where you're drafting them. You don't feel as good about the Kyler thing as maybe you did. I saw Kyler going uh, pretty high in some draft on him if you go high enough to grab Kyler Murray as your quarterback. So I'm a little bit down on Kyler Murray after this week one in a game that in all in all respects should have been a uh than what they do. I do think this is a bit of a bounce back here against the Raiders. Those are the four guys from the Cardinals that I'm taking. Uh, what say you? You are a lot more bullish on James Conner and Hollywood Brown than I am. James Conner is a guy I like, but didn't really work out with the Steelers. And I'm not convinced that last year was not a fluke. He had a great first week, so maybe he brings it back. Hollywood Brown, I know he's Kyler Murray's bestie, so that should help him out there. He did get the touchdown this week. I have more of a wait-and-see attitude on him. I'm absolutely starting Zach Ertz. I don't, I've never been a huge Kyler Murray fan. I need him to prove it a little bit more. But from a fantasy perspective, you would think being the dual threat, he's absolutely somebody to look at. But the five for 29 rushing is what scares me. I think we kind of know what he's going to be as a passer. 200 yards, two touchdowns. That's probably peak for him. I don't think he's going to be a, this Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees esque quarterback, but you want Kyler Murray for the rushing potential. But if he's going to be a five for 29 every week, that really scares me. But it also feels like he's liable to go 12 carries for a hundred yards. So he's 
he's very dangerous for me. He's the quarterback that I would have on my bench. I would much rather have a, maybe I got Brady or Josh Allen as my QB one in the fifth or sixth round. And then I came back a couple of picks later and got Kyler as a backup. Cause I don't think people were really reaching for him, but Ertz is a guy I like the best and everybody else has me a little, eh. and then you go deeper down. You, I, I like Rondale more, but didn't play the first week. And then, do you do you want to stash DeAndre Hopkins at this point in time, or is that just a roster spot you're wasting? You know, DeAndre Hopkins, but I would not waste a bench spot on him. On the side of the ball, I think the there's two guys I really want to start from this team, and Devontae Adams, big week one, 10 catches, 141 yards. And a t- I am a big believer in this Raiders offense. I... I would start Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, and Hunter Renfro. Mr. PPR should be in love with Hunter Renfro and everything he represents there. Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, we know they've got the relationship, so I'm starting those two. Darren Waller is one of the three best tight ends in the league, and then Josh Jacobs may be a little too touchdown reliant for what you like to see out of fantasy, but he's gone over a 1,000 yards twice and was close last year and seven-plus touchdowns in every season, so... Give me, give me all five of these guys. It's weird to think of the Raiders as a as a team that is going to give you a lot of points, but I don't think the offense is that great, and I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts in the AFC West. So I think all five of these guys are worth stashing and probably considering starting four of them, if not, you know, maybe Hunter Renfro, depending on the matchup. Our final Sunday game, the Sunday night game, Bears Packers. Uh, I believe Andrew will be rostering every single Packers offensive player, and if you're the Bears. I think we talked about it with the 49ers. Do not believe anything you saw from that week one. It's good to see Justin Fields show some flashes, but he is not your starting fantasy quarterback. David Montgomery, maybe you're looking at the wide receivers. I want nothing to do with Darnell Mooney. Very disappointing week one. I think if you're going to start anybody from this offense, trust that David Montgomery will bounce back. He's going to be a dual threat option for them. Khalil Herbert basically kind of stole that touchdown from them. It was looking like it was David Montgomery's game, and then Khalil Herbert snaked the touchdown away from him. But too many question marks for these Bears for me to want anybody other than Montgomery on a regular basis. Maybe unless Darnell Mooney, if you're thinking that was a freak week one from him on the wrong side. Yeah, I do think that is a freak week one from him. And I think you summed it all, the rest of it all up pretty well. It's Mooney and Montgomery from a fantasy perspective until further notice. Packers wise, I'm not, I'm not taking everybody. I'm taking the running backs, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. I think both of those guys are startable from a fantasy perspective and should be every week in your starting lineup. If you've got them, Aaron Rodgers as well, you're starting him. Alan Lazard, if he's healthy, you're starting him because he's going to be the top wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers this year. Based off what I saw in week one, they need him. And um, a guy that I might start at the tight end spot, if you're really searching for a tight end and you're kind of fluttering around, I would I would take a chance on Robert Tanyan. When he's been healthy, he's been a favorite target of Aaron Rodgers in the red zone. So there's plenty of touchdown potential there. So if you're kind of rotating through tight ends, you're in that Njoku range that we talked about earlier. I would go ahead and take a uh, Robert Tanyan and, and take my chances with him possibly scoring a touchdown from Aaron Rodgers in an offense that is devoid of uh, wide receivers for the most part. 
to reiterate, would you trust, are you trusting AJ Dillon? He basically doubled up Aaron Jones in fantasy points this week. So if you had to go with the Packers back for the long haul, AJ Dillon going to hold that spot or it's just a matter of time before Aaron Jones reclaims his throne? Well, I think it's not more of a reclaiming of the throne. I think Aaron Jones will be more involved. I think they'll both be involved at a high level, right? Um, Matt LaFleur said something to the effect of we have a 1A, it's a 1A and 1A scenario. Like a lot of people call it a 1A and 1B. Some running backs, he said Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon is a 1A and 1A scenario. And the Packers' best offensive formations over the past couple of years have been when Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are on the field together. And I think we're going to see plenty of that as the season goes on. They're both threats to catch 50, 50 receptions this season with the lack of wide receivers that Green Bay has. They're both threats to rush for nearly a 1,000 yards. I think it's going to be a two-headed monster running back that Green Bay is going to have this season. And so I think you're, you're going to start both of those guys. I expect Aaron Jones to be a little bit more involved than eight touches that we saw in week one. I don't think that's going to remain the same. And I expect A.J. Dillon to maintain the same level of involvement that we saw in week one. So I think I think the way things get distributed, you're going to be able to start both of those guys, and you're going to be happy with doing so. All right. We've made it to Monday night, a super long episode this week, but the final two we have our AFC matchup between the Ever so boring Tennessee Titans and probably the team that looked the best in week one, the Buffalo Bills, who destroyed the Rams. Like, absolutely, you're playing Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. I expect those kind of performances out of them every single week. You have to look at the other players as well. Do you think Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie are legitimately going to be this good every week? And will Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and whomever else they play at running back be this bad every week? I'm not trusting any of the running backs for the Bills. I do think that uh, Gabriel Davis breakout season is upon us. So if you've got Gabriel Davis, fire him up, throw him in your lineups. I am completely buying the hype on Gabriel Davis for the Buffalo Bills. Like you said, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, you know you're getting clear-cut starters, but – I think uh, people are going to be pleasantly surprised that they drafted Gabriel Davis when they did and happy they did. So I think he has a, a chance at wide receiver two numbers. And then on the Titans side, I mean, yeah, Derek, Derek Henry is the guy you're starting. And I don't know if there's a lot else on that Titans offense that I really trust. Yeah. The, I like Ryan Tannehill. He's the guy I think you stash as your backup quarterback. Dontrell Hilliard, the great week one. I don't think that sustains. Trey Lon Burks and Robert Woods, I like both at opposite ends of their career, but I think we're those are going to be hit or miss guys, at least for the 2022 season. Woods, old and injured. Burks, young and still getting experience. So for the Titans, other than Derrick Henry, I agree with you. I don't know that there's anybody you can truly trust week in, week out. And then Monday night's last game, probably the one that's going to pain you the most to watch. You got the Vikings and the Eagles in a game that I assume the over-under is probably like 67. I don't think it's quite that high. Um, no, definitely not quite that high at all. 50 and a half, actually. Give me the over. Um, okay. I would definitely say the over as well. We've got 
two top tier wide receivers here. Probably the uh, and I, a guy that I think could legitimately be the number one wide receiver this year, Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And no, it doesn't it doesn't pain me because the Vikings will choke the division away like they always do. All right, the Vikings are going to Viking. All right, the Packers <laughs> will run away at the division. It's fine. Um, but uh, Justin Jefferson does have a, an inside track on a. Being the wide receiver one, so you're starting him. You're starting Dalvin Cook, and this may come as a surprise to people, but I think Kirk Cousins is in the top ten quarterback range. I like he's it. not as good as Matt Stafford. Uh, he's not as good as Matt Stafford, but he's now in that Rams offense. The Rams offense coordinator came over, and they're committed to throwing the ball more. He saw play out in week one. He's going to throw the ball enough times this season. For turn top ten quarterback numbers, so after Kyler Murray and Kirk Cousins is out there, maybe go get Kirk Cousins. Maybe Kirk Cousins is your starter. Come on, and I'd be happy with that. In fact, I made a little bit of a bet that Kirk Cousins is going to lead the NFL in passing yards this season. Nice. I don't know if that will happen. But I, I do think Kirk Cousins could potentially lead the NFL in passing yards this season. I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities. And he's, like you mentioned, I think he's got the best wide receiver to throw to. I'm all in on Justin Jefferson taking the mantle of best wide receiver. The I, I agree with you. I think Cook and Jefferson absolutely are starting. Cousins probably. Irv Smith is curious. My big question is Adam Thielen. What does he have left in the tank? Is he a guy worth trying to play if you have like a third wide receiver or a flex? Does Thielen have anything left or the, the rubbers off the tires on that? I think he is that kind of a flex play at this point. You can't trust him as like a wide receiver too. He's really, really touchdown dependent at this point in his career. I do think he'll score enough touchdowns to be a viable flex option. Um, but Justin Jefferson is like in that Cooper Cup role. Only no offense to Cooper Cup, but I think Justin Jefferson has more talent. So we could see some absolutely ridiculous type stuff from Justin Jefferson this season. And we also saw some really ridiculous stuff from AJ Brown in week one. 10 catches, 155 yards, no touchdowns. Still a great week for AJ Brown. The touchdowns are going to come. And also, he's the top option in that offense. No questions asked from a receiving standpoint. People will say, what about Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith? Devonta, Devonta Smith, in a game where the Eagles scored 38 points, uh, didn't, didn't register on the stat sheet. And... Um, I expect Devonta Smith to have some better weeks ahead. Maybe with uh, defenses paying a little bit more attention to AJ Brown going forward. I don't expect AJ Brown to have 10 catches, 155 yards every week, but I do expect him to get the same level of targets that he did in week one every week. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts is just going to chuck it up to AJ Brown. That seems to be the uh, strategy for the Philadelphia Eagles this year on offense. And when AJ Brown isn't open, Jalen Hurts is just going to tuck it and run. So in this offense, you really just want Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown if you're going to start anybody. 
and that you led right into my point. I'm with you on AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts. I think he'll be a tremendous fantasy quarterback because he's a fairly clean passer and then runs like crazy. 17 carries, 90 yards, and a touchdown for them this week. But it's what do you do with these Eagles running backs? Miles Sanders was the guy in week one. Got most of the workload. So Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott each got a touchdown. But Sanders definitely got the heavy workload and way more yards. So the that's the question. You have these owners that are trying to decide, what do I do with my Eagles running backs? Yeah. Um, you stay away from your Eagles running backs if you can, because it, at a certain point, Jalen Hurts is going to take some of those touchdowns away on the goal line. If Jalen Hurts doesn't, I think Miles Sanders will be the guy. But again, I think um, I'm not Philly likes to run the ball and they will run the ball plenty. But when they do so, yeah, it's a matter of who do you trust the most and from a rushing perspective, I trust Jalen Hurts the most, and that's why I say I want Jalen Hurts and uh, A.J. Brown. And I know no one cares about any of my fantasy teams, but I have multiple two quarterback leagues, uh, super flex leagues, where I have Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts as my quarterbacks, and I am happy with that. Um, that is going to return dividends. I really feel like Jalen Hurts is the top five fantasy quarterback this season. Making some bold statements tonight. I like it. Yep. I I am all out there tonight with the bold statements, but uh, I felt that way preseason. And uh, maybe I didn't convey that well, but I do think uh, Jalen Hurts is a top five fantasy quarterback this season and every week starter. And I, I just love the potential that he has. And I think it's gotten even better now that he's got A.J. Brown. So that is the week's schedule. Went really in-depth and really long this week talking about fantasy. Anything else we need to dip into this week before we close the show? Man, I don't think so. Uh, we, I think we covered the whole thing. So if you are not the most prepared fantasy football player for week two, <laughs> uh, you can't blame it on us because I think we did everything in our power to give you all the information that we possibly could to make you a winner this week. Well, that'll do it for this week's show. We thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week. Talk a little bit of NFL, some college football, get baseball back in here. The playoffs, they're almost upon us for Major League Baseball. We thank you all for joining us. We will see you next week. 